of years ago the Jedi had another civil war that split the order it was a terrible thing a faction among the Jedi abandoned the teachings of the order following their own path they waged war on their fellow Jedi a war that raged across the galaxy but these fallen Jedi were cast out defeated and they retreated to worlds in the outer rim over time they took on the mantle of the Lords of the Sith but in their hearts they never forgot the Jedi the hatred for the Jedi Order burns in their veins like fire and echoes in their teachings. Revan tasted it. Our story begins in 7000 BBY during an era called the Hundred Year Darkness, which was a brutal civil war among the Jedi. This was the first time Dark Jedi would emerge in an attempt to overthrow an existing Jedi Order to implement their own version of Force Adherence. The war lasted 100 years, and the light side would ultimately win out, but not without a terrible cost of many lives. The number of Dark Jedi, however, would be reduced to only 12 disciples. These were referred to as the Exiles, and would be banned from Republic space. The leader and most powerful among these exiles was the High General, Ajunta Paul. It fell upon Paul to seek out a new homeworld for the Dark Jedi, a promised land, if you will. This new Dark Jedi diaspora would seek out the legend of the Kingdom of the Sith, this was the Sith species, not to be confused with the later Dark Lords of the Sith. They discovered the Sith home planet of Korriban, a world that emanated with dark side energies, making it an ideal rock to colonize. The planet was still occupied by the Sith, however, but its government would be co-opted by the exiles, who were able to entrench themselves inside the halls of power setting themselves up for a mutiny, deposing the Dark Magician and Sith King, Hakagram Grouch. The Dark Jedi presented themselves as gods, for indeed, their force power and technology was far beyond what the relatively primitive Sith had experienced. This is where the Dark Lords of the Sith originated. Generation after generation passed, and the mostly human Dark Jedi would interbreed with the Sith, forming a human-Sith hybrid aristocracy that would last for multiple millennia. Though not much is known about Re Marco Ragnos's early life, it was this aristocracy he was born into. 
being a human-Sith hybrid himself. One can only assume he was raised in the cultural milieu of Sith royalty and dark side practitioners. It was his ancestors, the exiles, who were his inspiration to become a powerful Sith leader in honor of their memory, to carry on the thousand-year-old traditions of the Dark Jedi and expand the first Sith Empire. Ragnos was also a highly skilled warrior and powerful force user. He commanded respect and admiration from all of his peers. Not only was he a deadly fighter, but he was also a brilliant mind and military strategist, known for being one of the wisest Sith Lords ever to live, a reputation he held long after his death. The Great Duel Sometime around 5150 BBY, the reigning Dark Lord of the Sith, or Genari, as the Korribanites referred to them, had died. There is no current historical record of who this Genari was at the time. Nonetheless, during the time of Marco Ragnos' ascendancy, there was yet another warlord who rivaled him in power and prestige, a Sith magician by the name of Simus. Both were vying to become the new Genari. Simus was a Sith male and highly competent practitioner of dark arts. He, being Mercaragnos' only real competitor to the throne, challenged him to a duel to the death, with the victor laying claim to the mantle of the Dark Lord of the Sith. In the ensuing battle, Simus was overcome by the superior fighting skills of Ragnos, and with one swift strike from his sword, Simus was decapitated. This would not be his death blow, however, as he was able to use his sorcery to stave off death while one of his servants constructed a contraption that maintained his life without a body. Presumably, this device was also enchanted with dark side energy, as was a common practice amongst the Sith. Marco Ragnos had overcome his first major obstacle by winning the fight, and he would now assume the Dark Lord title and become leader of the unified Sith Empire, which would be spoken for for a millennia to come. The duel with Simus was not personal, and Ragnos actually had a great deal of respect for the magician, even electing to have him placed on the Sith Council. The bodiless Sith was very loyal and devoted to the cause of his people, and served under Marka for years as a trusted confidant and ally. Simus would ultimately be killed by his own apprentice, Nagasato, many years later. Ragnos was as cunning as a serpent, and made sure to keep many of those in his Sith council in heated competition with one another, thus keeping them from trying to usurp his throne. He was as wise as he was powerful, and understood that those who were possessed by the dark side of the Force would always lust for power. 
So pitting the council against one another was an insurance policy on his own life, should one of his inferiors want to dethrone him. Despite the infighting, he was able to expand the Sith Empire, being perhaps the most ambitious Dark Lord to rule up to this point. Ragnos unified the Sith clans and led many campaigns against local enemies in the region of space which they occupied. He was known for being ruthless and showing no mercy, ensuring their enemies' ghosts would never come back to haunt them. This era was known as the Golden Age of the Sith, where the Sith people turned from a primitive world of warlords to a multi-planet empire. Along with their imperialistic ambitions, Marka pushed society into an age of dark side innovations, literature, and art. Many of the relics from the first Sith Empire that have been unearthed are from this period. Ragnos even wrote a lost epistle that was very influential on dark side intellectualism at the time. Unfortunately, its contents have been lost to the annals of history because of the zealous Jedi Inquisitor Celeste Morn, who destroyed the last known copy sometime after 4000 BBY. The Dark Lord's actions during his life would also play an important role even long after his death. A young Sith pureblood by the name of Tenebrae had lobbied Marka Ragnos to be taken on as an apprentice. Though the king did not accept his request, he was nonetheless impressed by the ambitious upstart. Tenebrae was as powerful as he was a sociopathic, personally killing thousands in tribal fighting on his home planet of Medrias by the ripe old age of 10. His sadism was unmatched, torturing his own mother for months before killing her. Ragnos thought that the boy's talents should not be wasted, and knighted him Lord Vitiate, ruler of Madrias, when he was only 13. Vitiate would later develop a dark side technique of absorbing all life energy within a geographical region, which would make him incredibly powerful and prolong his life, possibly indefinitely. He believed that with this power, he would achieve the status of a god. This life-draining ability was honed and mastered millennia later by Darth Nihilus. Many years after Ragnos' death, Darth Vitiate would become the supreme leader of the Sith Empire and expand their reach even further. After about a century of rule, the enigmatic emperor would die peacefully of old age a rarity among Sith Lords that spoke to his leadership and wisdom. His funeral procession was perhaps the most extravagant and widely attended event in the Sith Empire up to that point. Equipment and Attire 
Though the Dark Lord would occasionally don a lightsaber, his weapon of choice was his scepter. It was a long metallic staff with two curved horns at the top of it, while the bottom was the hilt of a striated-tipped blade sheathed inside of the hollow staff portion. The scepter of Regnos was imbued with dark side magic. Through the use of sorcery, the Dark Jedi designed the weapon to absorb dark side energy from any given area. This effect was so awesome, it would at times drain an entire locality of its energy. This made the sword incredibly powerful, possibly even with stronger breaking power than a lightsaber, and when fully charged, would easily deflect the strikes of a lightsaber. The blade's feats did not end there, it was even able to protect against force energy attacks like force lightning. Another piece of attire that was personally customized by Ragnos was his gauntlets. They were black and covered with scales. The gauntlets could only be used by those with a strong connection to the dark side, augmenting their power due to the Sith sorcery that imbued them. Many centuries after his death, the legendary Darth Revan recovered the gauntlets from Ragnos' tomb in the Valley of the Dark Lords on Korriban. When he finally did assume the mantle of Dark Lord of the Sith, his kingly attire consisted of a long black robe with a metal emblem laid on his chest, along with metal shoulder pads of the same material. He wore an iconic helmet which protected his head and neck, but left his face exposed. It had two large curved horns which resembled the horns of the scepter of Ragnos. Though not technically equipment per se, the Dark Lord held in his possession a giant Sispon Tarentatec, which he would refer to as his pet, though he viewed the animal as a tool more than anything. Ragnos would conduct cruel experiments on the beast, often beating and torturing it throughout the night in order to increase its hatred and dark side energies. He would feed it only blood for sustenance, making its appetite for raw flesh insatiable. The Tarentatec slave fought for him in many battles and was an invaluable asset in helping him sustain his iron rule. Because the creature was a dark side creation, it was able to live for centuries, even hibernating until awoken by the presence of the Force in order to feed. When Ragnos died, around 5000 BBY, the beast watched over his tomb in the Valley of the Dark Lords, only to be awoken and slain by a courageous Sith warrior. Legacy. Despite his death, the memory of Marco Ragnos lived on. His followers, known as the Ragnosians, were determined to keep his legend alive and to maintain his teachings and ideals. They formed a powerful sect within the Sith, dedicated to preserving the legacy of their fallen leader. In the years following his death, they worked to spread Marco Ragnos' teachings throughout the galaxy. They sought out other Force-sensitive individuals and trained them in the ways of the dark side, all in an effort to keep his legacy alive. They also made sure to keep his tomb and his physical remains safe and guarded as a symbol of their devotion to him. In addition, 
The Ragnosians also worked to gather artifacts, texts, and items that were related to Marco Ragnos and his reign to keep them safe and pass them on to the next generations. They believed that these relics would help them to better understand his teachings and to continue to spread his message. During the competition to be his immediate successor, Ragnos appeared before Nagasadao and Ludo Kresh after their duel and gave them an inspiring speech on the great history of the Sith and anointing Sadao as the new leader of the Empire. He was able to keep his spirit alive for millennia in the form of a Force ghost, presenting himself before Exar Kun in his tomb and appearing much later to Darth Plagueis in a vision. In this experience, Ragnos chastised Plagueis for abandoning the ancient traditions of the Sith and refused to answer any of the interlocutor's questions, instead snarling and getting frustrated with him. Plagueis wrote down his recollection of this incident in the Book of Sith, which was later acquired and read by his apprentice, Darth Sidious. During the New Republic era, there was yet another cult of the ancient Dark Lord called the Disciples of Ragnos. They worshipped him as a god. Their sole mission in life was to resurrect their deity using his scepter. The cult was able to gain access to Ragnos' tomb and his spirit emerged from his sarcophagus to possess the group's leader, Tavion Axmas. His triumphant return would not last long, however, before the Jedi Knight, Jaden Kor, was able to sub subdue the cultist and banish the Dark Lord back into his tomb. But not before Ragnos would proclaim that he was going to return. This was history's last known encounter with the ancient Sith, though his spirit presumably continues to haunt the halls of the Valley of the Dark Lords. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon. So if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com 
forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Jordan. And this is Christian. We're back on Korriban. Did we ever even leave? Uh, well, now we're doing a little bit of ghost hunting. <laughs> Do you have your detector all set up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're doing some seances, you know. The, we're trying to um, speak with the dar- dead lord, uh, Mark Aragnos. <laughs> um, That'd be a good guest appearance on yeah. a, an episode. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he wants to make an appearance. I kind of doubt it, but if you hear any weird noises in the background, it's probably him. Um. Anyways, so in this episode, we discuss the ancient Sith Lord Mark Ragnos. Uh, not much is actually known about him. There's like not a whole ton of biography on him. Um, especially before he becomes like the Sith Lord, how he rose to power, his early life. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like there's literally nothing, and uh, unless I'll say this with a caveat, if someone has read something in like material that I am unaware of, bring it up and like send us let a us message, know, yeah. let us know. But as far as I, I was scouring for quite a while, like I couldn't really find anything. Yeah, find anything substantive. Um, and also like another sort of strange aspect of like his rise to power is like he apparently took over another great dark lord of the sith yeah well yeah presumably so the names we know are agenda paul who starts it right and then we know thousands of years pass presumably a bunch of different leaders yeah yeah and then suddenly mark oregonos is the next name yeah and we don't even know the guy that he yeah. took over but apparently the guy that he took over from was like a great leader as well. But yeah, well, we it, don't even like know the their name. That's the only thing. Yeah. yeah, there's no name. There's there's really nothing. We don't even know if it's a guy. Yeah, it, yeah <laughs> maybe it's not. But yeah. yeah, it's sort of this like black hole in like the history of the Sith, which is interesting. Almost doesn't make a lot of sense. I think there could be like a lot of, uh, you know, if uh, Lucasfilm or Disney ever don't, wanted to don't go, go and offer and anything in to them. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, it, it, there's a lot of gaps. There's a, there's and, a blank space there. Yeah. yeah, especially because, like, the when the exiles appeared uh, to the Sith, it's like they weren't as primitive as a Sith. Like, they had like modern, more modern technology. Like, uh, they were. Um, had way more expertise in the forest you would think they would be like more about like writing down the history and and yeah uh, it's not like you're like a stone age culture yeah that's right i mean not that the sith were the sith were technological even before the exiles came but like but nothing's documented yeah yeah exactly i mean just because we don't know doesn't mean it doesn't exist within the canon well not canon yeah but within the universe um i like obviously just because the star wars timeline just covers so much yeah there's there are and we're going to encounter these gaps later too there are these dead zones where there's a story that some author wanted to tell and then there's like a a period where there's not a lot of information and then another character will pop up again and then kind of continue the story so we have like bits and pieces and it would be a very interesting area to explore but also like 
you can't really change the dynamic of the galaxy because it, even up until this point, the Republic still doesn't know the Sith Empire is there. Yeah, so that's right. It's, yeah. it's like telling a story about like how much can you do within the Sith Empire that's not repetitive yeah. for thousands of years without accidentally bumping into the Republic or the Jedi or, you know, messing up with the timelines, right? Yeah. Though I would say it would be an interesting story to tell if it was just like only dark side users and like Sith and like who's the protagonist in that story and who's the antagonist, yeah. right? Like that, I think that would be kind of an interesting. Yeah, but how many times can you tell that story That's over true. a thousand yeah, period? Yeah, yeah. yeah. like you but could tell I, a story or a yeah. few stories, but. If they, I, I personally would like to see just a couple stories peppered into there and like a little more layers of history, even if it's like a brief synopsis. You know, like they could also happened. pull like this, the history card and just steal from history. And like the Sith Empire has a lot of like Egyptian connotations. So I, you could, I was actually going to bring this up. Yeah. Um, yeah, but go ahead. Well, yeah, you could just steal like the, the Egyptian Empire was around for thousands of years too, which is also a crazy thing. Yeah. Like Canada and the U.S. are barely breaking two hundred years, yeah. and uh, you have this civilization that's existed for thousands of years. Oh yeah, like mo- most like empires like lasted at least a thousand. Yeah, uh, like weak. We're weak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So you could just like hijack some cool narrative stories of like actual Egyptian pharaohs and kind of like transpose them. I'm sure, you could do a lot with magic and vision quests and like yeah, force magic. Yeah, so I was reading um, from a little bit of sleuthing. Uh, George Lucas actually, in the 90s, early, mid-90s, when um, like Mark Ragnos is first envisioned by Kevin Anderson and uh, Tom Veach, uh, they, wrote, they wrote that series of books, and that's like when Mark, they, it, it's unclear who actually created the character, but he appears first in... Uh, the Tales of the Jedi comic books in like 96 or something. And apparently Lucas wasn't so happy with all the Egyptian. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Illusions. And like Lucasfilm even made them change the, the initial concept art for his sarcophagus uh, because they said it looked too much like an Egyptian sarcophagus. And so like they were like trying to get the writers to like, come up with something a little different, different. And not not be so egyptian <laughs> okay so maybe my idea wouldn't yeah fly, but, but but absolutely especially with like the magic and all like uh during like what i did find around that time and in like the tales of the jedi there's a lot of like um there's a lot of like using sorcery to make items become magic like yeah. that's like a big thing and and that does it kind of feels uh, like from the like I am not an Egyptologist by any stretch, but like from the little bit that I know, that seemed to be like a big thing that they would do. Like items, I, items had like magical power, you know, and that was like a kind of a common trope in sort of Egyptian folklore, I guess. But um, uh, yeah. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like it, maybe like Lucasfilm or George Lucas didn't really want it to be that tied to like a real culture uh they want maybe they wanted to be more creative or something have but, a little more distance yeah but at the same time yeah but like that was like even when you get to like the the knights of the old republic games and the valley of the dark lords it's like 
clearly it's like Egyptian. Yeah. And they're doing like archaeology. The Valley of the Kings. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty on the nose. Yeah. yeah, they're doing, yeah, they're <laughs> archaeologists are discovering all the, yeah, it, you know, it, it's very obviously inspired. Yeah, inspired by Egypt. Which I don't hate. I think it's kind I of. I like. I've I, always liked like ancient Egypt. Yeah, it was one too. of my first great fascinations about history. Oh, really? Yeah. See, you know, I think my, I did. I did like my first great fascination was like the Greeks. Mm. Um, that came for me later. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I went from like Egypt to Rome to Greece. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I got into the Greeks before, but this was like when I was a kid. I just thought yeah. they were interesting. Um. But then later, like really, actually the last few years, I've been really into like ancient Mesopotamia. Me too. I never cared about like oh, really? the Bronze Age. I was just kind of skip, except for Egypt. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of ignored everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And then like would jump way ahead to Rome and then go back to yeah. classical Greece. But um, until recently, I've just gotten really into like the Philistines and the yeah. Sea Peoples and yeah. like, all. Yeah. Um, well, like, like one of my favorite, um, uh, ancient texts is like, and I actually recommend everyone read it as the Epic of Gilgamesh. Yeah. And I think it's just like, it's sort of actually a very beautiful story. Uh, it's like really, really what it is, is a story about like mortality and friendship. (laughs) If if you kind of try and like, uh, uh. And it's very human in a lot of ways. You know, obviously it's like mythical, but like you can kind of really get the human undertones, like the real human emotions. I think it's like super interesting. Obviously, it's like one of the oldest texts that we have. And Campbell obviously refers to it as well. Yeah. As like the foundation of the monomyth of just yeah, like that, that's right. Yeah. Earliest example. Yeah, of it. yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. And uh but I, I, I just like I find that whole um because so many cultures came from ancient Mesopotamia, yeah. uh, you know, like, like everything from like the Assyrians to the, obviously the Egyptians and, um, Semitic people. Yeah. The, all the Semitic people, like a lot of them, you find a lot of similar words and themes that can be traced back to ancient Mesopotamia. So I, I think it's like super interesting in terms of like our own history and stuff. So anyways, uh, little bit of a rabbit trail but <laughs> i do recommend people just read the epic of gilgamesh it's not like that long yeah you could okay. probably a couple hours i did hours. A, a mythology ancient mythology course oh, in university you? and we studied the, the epic oh, okay yeah so, yeah cool <laughs> um yeah anyways um i did all i did mention this um in the last episode I thought it was interesting about the exiles and sort of like the 12 disciples. There's like 12 exiles. Religious connotations. Yeah, and they like go to this new promised land, like this mythical place, right? Yeah. Uh, Which is sort of interesting. Also another kind of interesting thing. I don't know. This may be a bit more of a stretch, but uh, it's, it's like these like deities coming down to these primitive peoples and like, being gods and breeding with them is like yeah. very Nephilim like yeah, yeah Nephilim esque for yeah. those unfamiliar Nephilim are uh angels and yeah like, I get there's I think there's scholarly debate about what the Nephilim are but the gist is they're like angels that came from heaven and like breeded with men in the in the Christian Old Testament of the Torah whatever you want to call it um they 
they came in and like there was after that there's like these half human half angel giants yeah giants hybrid creatures yeah that were like yeah known for great feats and things yeah that's right um so there's almost sort of that with the like with this the dark lords sort of interbreeding with the sith right yeah um so anyways um uh so also what's interesting about the whole marco ragno story is uh he never appear there's not a single story about him like really being alive it's all like either someone retelling of like a memory yeah or uh a for him appearing as a force ghost there's not like an actual story just centered about around, him ar- around marco ragnos even though he's like he's actually a particularly important sith in and he's very important in like the sith mythos um and he's probably one of the most cited dark lords of the sith in like the entire star wars universe like he is mentioned in a lot of books and a lot of comics and a lot of games and he's really interwoven into the entire sith mythos and he's like very revered as like this ancient great sith lord which i think is like kind of interesting and in a lot of ways because he's so opaque maybe like and he i don't know like um there's so much legend around him that almost like adds to the legend that there's not like a super clear story of him. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. Oh uh, yeah. Where like almost a legend out outlives like the Yeah. And it just builds on itself, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh so I thought that was interesting. Um so also I brought up the disciples of Ragnos and the Ragnosians. Now, I will put a little bit of a caveat. I'm not so sure if the Ragnosians are certainly canon because they actually only appear in a Star Wars RPG. Uh, uh, so they don't appear in any other material. It was just the Star Wars RPG. They're like, uh, it was sort of a backstory they made in this RPG book. And, yeah. uh, but they like sort of lived immediately after the death of Ragnos and they were like sort of his disciples. Right. Yeah. Um, the there's a obvious the disciples of Ragnos came like after the destruction of the Death Star. Yeah, like and, long, yeah, long like, after. Like and the, but after they were, Luke has yeah. started his Jedi Academy. Right. But the Ragnosians were more of like an accepted um denomination within the the ancient Sith, right? Like that's how they're presented. They're almost like, you know, I don't know, Protestants and Catholics or something. Like it, it's like a Are you sure they were that accepted then? Or well, <laughs> was there some early bloodshed there? Well, maybe I'll say like, I don't know, Presbyterians and Between Lutherans yeah. or something, right? Like they're all within the branch of the Sith. Sith. They were yeah. just but the the um the disciples of Ragnos were more really just a cult, you know, and even Ragnos himself, there's no evidence that he ever deified himself he wasn't like lord vitiate yeah um there's no evidence that he wanted to he just wanted to have a legacy as like the great sith king yeah um but there was no like uh delusions of of, like deity um, around him and the ragnosians that are presented uh don't speak about him in deific terms just more like they're they're uh 
he's like their great teacher. And they just want to preserve his legacy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But the cult of Ragnos is different where they deify him and they like actually worship him as like religious fanatics. That that's right. Uh and they are fanatics. Um but with that being said, uh Marco Ragnos, his spirit didn't um oppose this because he wanted them to resurrect him right like, yeah and well why would you stop <laughs> <yeah>. them then <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. uh even though that was never doesn't seem to be anything he taught in in life but again i, I could accept an argument if someone wanted to say like the ragnosians of of ancient times aren't really canon or they, they shouldn't be included maybe I, I don't see why not like i don't see them inherently conflicting there's there's, i agree there that's why i decided to include it because there wasn't any real conflict i didn't that i could see um there wasn't any contradictions but um they are just not mentioned anywhere else that is just it's this one like it's like this game book basically right this rpg book. i mean there are those cases where something is just dropped in it never yeah. goes anywhere and it's never explored. It's almost like a dead end, which is kind of rare, more or less, for Star Wars, just because it's it is so expansive. Usually, some author is building off some author, and you know it goes down a huge rabbit trail. But other times, it is just like a one-off mention thing. Some guy came up with it, never gets brought up again. No one ever picks up that thread, and it's just there dangling, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. I, I again, I don't see why they shouldn't exist. Um. Especially in the context of like being generally accepted. And even then, like, there are lots of Sith cults that, like, really elevate the, the, the individual who they follow. Yeah. Um, and this, you'll see this pop up a few times throughout the canon, right? So if Ragnos' legacy really is that great, then it's not a stretch to think he has yeah, followers absolutely. that would... Absolutely. And, like, he, he really... He unified the Sith clans, right? Who, yeah. I mean, I guess the Dark Lords did too, but it seemed like Ragnos took them to the next. Yeah, he took he, he took them into the Golden Age. Yeah, he took yeah. the yeah exactly. He took them into the Golden Age of the Sith. He turned them into an. Well, ep- that isn't entirely accurate because technically the Golden Age of the Sith starts with the Junta Paul, so it's already lasting this oh, whole okay, multi thousand okay. year period. Oh, is that how it? Yeah, it's it's, it's weird because oh, I was it. the Golden Age of the Sith is the title of the story of when the Sith <laughs> kind of fall apart. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't totally make sense. Yeah. It's really the end of the Golden Age of the Sith with right. Marco Ragnos. So I guess the last leader of the Golden Age. But sort of the peak, though, of the, of yeah, the Sith. Yeah, yeah, when it was the, at its biggest and strongest before yeah. they start mixing up with the Republican stuff. And now I'm going to stop because that's kind of leading yeah. into the next episode. But Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm also like, again, another source of like possibly a really cool story or even just like a cool merch book you could buy would be the epistle of ragnos uh, which <laughs> write it like a religious text yeah yeah no but much like the book of sith right like yeah you can buy i own the, a copy of it. oh do you yeah. yeah exactly like that would be like really cool to have a the book of ragnos yeah you, you know which I think probably back then was like the sith bible right like that would have been like ragnos really there's a lot of emphasis on like how wise and smart he was yeah. and like how cunning he was. And so it makes a lot of sense that he would also have like writings and stuff. Yeah. I'd imagine it looks something like uh Machiavelli, the Prince. Yeah. It's like how yeah. to, how to, how to control and how to retain power and how to, right. how to politic and how yeah. to, 
Yeah, and so that actually brings me to my next point was um, I don't know if there's any other Sith that actually died of old age because it's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are like like unknown Dark Lords yeah, here and there who and died of yeah. old age, but to be like the top dog Dark Lord of the Sith and, and not also, be killed. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's like, well, it's even a, antithetical to your like beliefs, right? Like your apprentice is supposed to off you and be more powerful or you reign perpetually. Not at the time of Marco Ragnos. He was before. Yeah, like, the rule of two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think you, you could say it was just like, you know, be king forever, right? Until the day you die. Uh, but... Uh, he like he was able to like a very good leader. He was able to like pit his own council ag- against yeah. one another, right, and and make sure that the balance of power always uh, landed on him rather yeah. than someone I, else. Yeah, yeah, someone else or united front against him, right? And so I think I think that in and of itself is like very impressive. Um, and makes him almost more impressive than maybe any other Sith that came after because he never was killed. And he was like very revered when he died. It was like, yeah. there's like, like wailing and mourning and sath cloth and ashes after his death. He had this like huge, crazy funeral. Right. So like, uh, but is it like a North Korean funeral? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. I don't know. No, I, I bet again, just, from what we know, like because of his legacy, I'm sure he was like, yeah, it was ge- genuine mourning. Yeah, 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 I think so. I like he, he was also like a philosopher king. It seems like you know. Yeah. So I think people also he was very important in shaping the culture and the, the culture and the thought uh, of of the Sith. So, um, yeah, I. That that's why I like want. I wish there was more, and I think it would be like a really interesting opening if ever there was like more material, or if just fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Even if there's like if anyone some, wants to send us some good fan yeah, fiction, some sweet fan fiction of like the philosophy of Marco Ragnos, yeah. like th- this like ancient Aristotle figure, you know, or <laughs> uh, pl- uh, but all his teachings are very like wise but like kind of dark yeah yeah but but i would like it like he was and it does say he um he was pretty ruthless with his enemies yeah but even that was like strategic he didn't do it because he was he enjoyed cruelty yeah yeah. i think he did it if i had to guess this is just a guess he did it because um he he wanted to ensure that there was no uh slave revolt or uh people conquered peoples yeah that would come back and and that was like it was more of a pragmatic decision than a than like anything like he was intended out of malice yeah i and i think i think he was definitely capable of being cruel as we've seen with seen with his uh pet torrent attack uh (laughs) but it i I think he was also very strategic. Everything, everything. Yeah, even that, like, he only tortured it to make it more. That's right. It was for a practical purpose to have, like, an attack dog, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, uh, yeah, I think he, like, in a lot of ways, he was kind of, like, a wise person. So, um, anyways, yeah, that's kind of the gist of uh, Marco Ragnos. And I think there's... Like I said, there isn't a whole lot of stuff. It's kind of hard 
to write about him. He does. His name is dropped quite a bit in uh, in like almost every era after him and like yeah, like I was looking forward to this episode because I knew his name from so many other things. I'm yeah. Like, oh, this guy keeps popping up everywhere. He must be important and have some kind of backstory. Yeah. So it's actually kind of surprising to get here and be like, huh, all the stuff you encountered was all the stuff that there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, but I do, I, I like the character. He does sort of, I, I believe he appears in like, he has like, um, Obviously, in the Jedi Academy games, he has, like, actual dialogue. And then in the, um, I believe, in the uh, Knights of the Old Republic Online, which I haven't actually played. But I uh, there's, like, clips of him on YouTube talking. It's a little, like, it seems like a generic Dark Lord baddie kind of dialogue. It doesn't yeah. seem all that interesting. I think there could be a lot more done with that character than than what is like presented in his actual like speaking lines. But um, nonetheless, I think it, it it is like an interesting character. He is like very important in the entire Sith mythos. Obviously, like Dar- even Darth Plagueis uh, talks about him, and then um, actually in the Book of Sith in like the uh because Sidious writes down his notes in the yeah. book of Sith and he actually talks about Mark Aragnos a little bit as well. So there's like the uh he he even though it's very minor, he does play a role in the characters of the uh, of the film. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh pretty cool. Anything else to add? No. Yeah, like you're saying, just one of those characters whose tendrils are everywhere, but yeah, he himself is kind of mysterious, which I also am not opposed to. I, I mean, now that kind of legend is done, it's kind of like within the sealed universe. Um, it's just the way it is now, and I think there is. It, it could be cool to just leave that era of mystique around him. It aura. could, be. yeah. I, and I wouldn't be surprised if like Disney never bought. Star Wars, I wouldn't be surprised if they had planned on like doing more stuff with his character. With his character? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was probably just something they never got around to. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, I think that's all for this episode. Peace. <laughs>